Good afternoon and welcome to Looking Up, wherever you are listening from on this beautiful afternoon here in Newcastle. I hope and pray that you have had a wonderful day thus far and we we are really glad to be with you this afternoon. My name is Danny Malenkov and on Looking Up this afternoon, your co-host and my good partner and friend is Peter Watts. Welcome, Peter. Hey, Danny. How are you, mate? It's looking good today and... Uh we're going to have a, a great program today. We, we're going to look into a, a, a chapter of the Bible that's got so much stuff in it. It's going to take us uh, a little while to unpack all of that. But I think uh, it's going to be a fascinating delve into prophecy once more, as we did last week. Um, but how you been this week, Dan? I've been praising the Lord, brother. I've been having another great week. It's been busy. Um, I, I thought I thought with COVID, things would have slowed down a little bit for me, <laughs> but not really. Yeah, uh, was... I guess the first week or so, it was um, yeah, it was a bit slow. I was trying to get my head around, you know, the new way of of, of doing things and um, and being a church minister. But since then, it's really taken off. I don't know. How's it been for you? Well, it's it's turning into the new normal, isn't it? Like we we're starting to get used to a routine where. Um, we're doing things differently to how we used to do them, but we're doing them so repeatedly now that that's becoming the new normal. So, um, you know, for me, it's been pretty good from the perspective that I still go into the office every day. We're still coming here every week to the studio to record our, our, our uh, radio show. And so, um, although this is not recorded, I just want to mention it's live. They are recording it, but it is live. It's really live. We are alive. Shall well I tell them the time, or maybe not? <laughs> um, so yeah. So in that respect, that's been good from a perspective of uh, the routine has kind of continued for me in that way. And you know, my wife and I, we go for a walk every morning um, for an hour every day, and that hasn't changed. So in some respects, I've been able to maintain some kind of routine maintain some kind of routine but at the same time you know we've been um usually we would be uh speaking to to large audiences every week and we've been recording messages we've been sending out um you know newsletters facebook messages um advertising for a little program that i'm doing at the moment um and so yeah it's been uh very strange but um we don't know just for how much longer we're going to have to continue to live in this kind of environment. That's right. Yeah, things are, are very uncertain and uh, very, very much fluid, changing almost by the day. And we're going to we're going to pick up on a couple of things that have been taking place um, in the news this week in just a little bit. And we're going to give some contact details regarding how you can get in touch with us with a question or two or more. But before that, sit back and enjoy this beautiful song, Seventh Time Down from Lean On. I know just how you feel when you're too tired to stand up. I know just how you feel. I know it's hard to believe when you want to give up. I know just how you feel. You can lead on everlasting arms when you're strong.
listening to Lean On from Seventh Time Down. Welcome back to Looking Up and I'm glad you are joining us this afternoon for another fantastic Bible-packed program and I know you're going to be blessed. If you'd like to get in touch with us and ask a question, you're more than welcome to. I'll give you the, those numbers right now. So if you've got a pen, jot them down. one 800 324 That's 1-800-324-843 if you want to call in with your question. Or if you want to text in, you can text your question to 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. And just a reminder, for those who may be tuning in for the very first time, a big welcome to you. At the end of each program, we have a special giveaway and uh, this program will be no different. So uh, rem- remember to stay tuned all the way through to the end. And towards the end of the program, we will give you details of what the giveaway will be. And the first person to call in will be, uh, will be picking that up. So we want to just review. We just want to do a bit of review on where we've been. We've been going for a few weeks now. 
um, on looking up, and we've been covering covering quite a bit of territory. Very much uh, important information related to what's going on right now and what the Bible has to say, the biblical implications, in particular the prophetic implications. Now, Peter, do you want to just uh, take our listeners through? There may be some that are joining us for the very first time where we've been uh, thus far yeah, and how sure. they can get hold of some of this material. Yeah, well, that's right. Uh, so I guess a couple of months ago we um, you know, started out on this uh, radio journey of looking up on uh, the afternoon show here at Faith FM. And so what we wanted to do is because um, at that point uh, people were still coming to terms with COVID-19 lockdown, um, all the implications of that, and we wanted to know is there any segue, is there any connection between what is happening in the world right now and what the Bible says about the time leading up to the end of the world? Mm. And so um, we, we've been looking at that. And in our first program, we looked at the pandemic as really being one of the signs of the times. Jesus predicted in Matthew 24 that there would be pestilences in the last days when uh, he was asked actually by his disciples 2,000 years ago, they came to Jesus and they said, you know, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? And Jesus began in Matthew 24 to unpack some of those signs. And so we looked at some of those signs, one of which is pestilence. And so, you know, when uh, people might be wondering, you know, is this the end of the world? And I would say, and I think we said then, it's not the end of the world, but it is a sign of the times. It mm. is one of those collective yes. signs of the times of which there are many in the world that we've seen that are pointing us in the direction of the second coming of Christ. And then we decided to look at the health implications of the pandemic. Obviously, it has serious health implications. Uh, many have died. Many others have been hospitalized. And uh, so um, we looked at that. But we also looked at some of the health principles in the Bible that I think uh, will be beneficial to people in terms of boosting their immune system, in terms of avoiding some of the things that God has told us you know, are not good for, for us in terms of the foods that we eat and so forth too. And these so, principles are like written thousands of years ago. Three and a half health. thousand years ago written That's by right. Moses. So um, that was interesting to learn. And even some of the uh, health implications of things like quarantine and isolation and, and things like that that we uh, take for granted these days but, you know, really are very pertinent. But there they are three and a half mm. thousand years ago in the Bible. Um, we looked at the financial implications you know, does the, what does the Bible say about that? And the Bible does say that there's going to be a financial pinch at the end of, uh, of, the, of time, just before Jesus comes. There's going to be a change in the value of uh, finances. And we looked at that. We looked at the environmental impact, of course, which has mainly been good. You know, the slowdown mm, in yes. the economy and everything has been good for the, the environment to recover. And because of that, people are then looking at, wouldn't it be good to have some common rest time and we looked at the day of rest that god had given in the bible called the sabbath we looked at um, that creation we also looked at the fact that god has a plan to renew this world because of all the pollution um, and the way in which it's been uh, sort of growing old is the bible reference that, that talks about that we also looked at some religious traditions and then i think uh, last week we had a fascinating prophecy one of the uh, prophecies that convinced me of the authority and divinity or the divine origin of the Bible. And uh, we looked at an ancient prophecy that offers a future hope. And that was Daniel chapter 2 and the great image uh, of Babylon that we, we saw there. And um, 
yeah, that brings us right up to today and, and uh, what we're going to talk about today. Now, if you are interested in uh, listening to those topics that I've just uh, talked about, some of the things we've talked about in the last two months, you can go to the website faithfm.com.au and if you click on the podcasts tab you will see there another widget with uh, Danny and Peter there it's called uh, looking up if you click on that you should be able to see the programs that we've recorded so far so if you want to uh, review what we've uh, looked at so far some of those topics may interest you uh, we certainly had a fascinating time discussing them, Danny, and so people want those, faithfm.com.au, click on podcasts, you're looking for looking up. Thank you, Peter. That was a fantastic summary. So hopefully you got all that, and in particular the website. Now, it's been another big week um, in the news, and once again, front and centre, Peter, COVID-19, front and centre. Can you remember um, a time when one news story has been front and centre for almost six months. Can you remember such well, a time? We actually commented a, a few weeks ago, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, about the Black Lives Matter movement mm. and how that knocked COVID off the For a headline. couple of weeks. For, well, just for a few days, I think, yeah. I would say. Um, and, and now, of course, it's, it's making a comeback. And uh, COVID-19, obviously, we've seen this um, outbreak in Victoria and they've pretty much locked down the city, okay, in Melbourne. Um, which, by the way, I used to live in Victoria, which is out east uh, of the city, like 70 k's outside of the city, but it's contained within that greater Melbourne. Mm. Well, uh, I was born in the western suburbs. Well, there you are. Where all the red flags are going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> wow. so that's, uh, that's exploded. And then, of course, you've got now we've got um, an increase in cases in Sydney as well. Mm. We don't know how far that's going to go, how fast it's going to grow, um, but this is the serious uh, consequence. I, I suppose I've been listening to uh, Dr. Norman Swan on ABC Radio, and he's been talking about um, the, I guess, the value of suppression as a strategy for controlling COVID-19 versus a strategy of uh, elimination, hmm. where they're trying to get rid of it altogether. And of course, you go to some states uh, like Western Australia, like Tasmania, uh, where they haven't, they don't have any COVID-19 at the moment. And uh, I'm sure they'd like to keep it that way. But, yeah, it's, it's uh, very unsettling for people. We, you know, people have said you often hear on the news we fer- you know, this industry or this area faces an uncertain future. Well, I think a lot of people are feeling like they fe- have an uncertain future, which kind of reminds me of one of the last lines of last week's presentation, where in Daniel 2, at the end, it says, the interpretation is, is certain... Um, sorry, yeah, the dream is certain, the interpretation is sure. sure. Yeah. And I love the fact that you can have surety and certainty based on the promises of the Word of God. Absolutely. And it's interesting that, you know, you mentioned at the beginning Jesus talked about the signs of his coming and he used a, a very powerful analogy of labor pains. Yes. And uh, we know with labor pains that as the birth draws near, those labor pains increase in intensity and frequency. Mm. And when it comes to COVID, uh, I was just doing a, I was just looking up to see how long it took us uh, worldwide to reach 1 million cases. And how long do you think it took us to reach 1 million cases, our first million? How, how long do you think? I Off think the top it took a head. while. 
It took a while. It did. In fact, it took three months. Okay. Three months to get to... I was going to have a guess at three months, but I thought I'm going to be wrong, so I won't (laughs) say that. Three months to get to one million. Now, how long do you think it took us to get to the last million? Probably three weeks. No, one week. Wow. One week. So in the last week, we racked up one million cases around the world. And so as I, as I think of those stats, and we don't know where things are going to go, um, but what we can clearly see is the intensification of those labor pains. And all these things are telling us very, very clearly that Jesus is on his way. And uh, you talked yeah. about the certainty, the assurance that we can have, and uh, and that's really powerful now. Um, you want to just sort of share a little on, on what you have been meditating on and contemplating on when it comes to what's been happening in the news this week? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I was going to say that yesterday there was a news article, uh, front page news on the BBC website, which was, um, I think it was either the World Health Organization or the UN, but I'm pretty sure it was the World Health Organization. It was saying that the world is heading in the wrong direction. In other words, um, uh, cases are growing, as we've been mentioning, and um, more, uh, greater restrictions are being brought in. So they've eased off on the restrictions. The cases are rising, and now some countries are bringing back more restrictions. I noticed that yesterday they were talking about there are more restrictions in New South Wales for pubs and bars mm. and places like that because of um, you know the hotspot that has occurred there. So I, I'm just sort of uh, you know the Bible says watch and pray, and uh, I'm I'm a, a keen observer of uh, you know. Bible prophecy and what's going on in the world, but you, you've, we've got to be careful that we don't rush to make links where there are none. Mm. But what are we looking at really is the trend of where the world is headed uh, and where it's pushing the world in terms of um, how we react to this. You know, what is mankind's solution to the current uh, crisis that the world finds itself in? And you know, don't forget, as we mentioned at the beginning of this series about two months ago, that. Prior to COVID-19, we had plenty on our plate as a human race, right? We had just come through a summer of, you know, drought, fire and flood. Uh, We had terrorism still. We had the environment still uh, looming large. And those those problems, what's interesting is uh, I've spoken on this uh, in times gone by, is, you know, those problems haven't gone away. Um, they're still there, but we just seem they get seem, seem to get superseded by the next major crisis. It's really fascinating that you mentioned climate change, and I've just got the latest uh, Time magazine uh, delivered to me in my letterbox just yesterday, and uh, the front cover, uh, the title is "One Last Chance" mm-hmm. in relation to to climate change, and this year, 2020, yep. was to be a big year on the climate change circuit. Yep. It was supposed to be a year when they were to hold multiple conferences around the world right. um, to see how to see how the world was doing since 2015 when they had that. Paris Climate yes, Agreement. The Paris Climate Accord. That's right. And um, so, yeah, I guess COVID-19 has, um, has derailed those plans uh, to a degree. However, according to this article, and there's a number of articles in this uh, Time magazine, they're saying that there is no better time than now in the, in the context of, of what's going on with COVID. This yeah. is a great opportunity for us to reassess. To press pause. To press pause and on the climate and um, and, to, and to come up with a brand new template on, on how we move forward. And so it's really interesting that, you know, the climate, the economy, um, we've, got, we've got families, we've got, um, you know, we've got a whole bunch of different issues, health, 
concerns, they're all coming to the fore. And it's going to be interesting to see where everything heads in the coming days and months and years. But one thing is for sure, the Bible has a lot to say about this. And so, uh, Peter, we just want to reflect um, and review briefly what happened last week. Or do you have something to share? Well, I was just that? going to jump on with that. When you were talking about the environment, I think we mentioned this last week, so I'm going to not, not going to dwell on it. But last uh, week, I think I mentioned this BBC News um, uh, headline from the 6th, which is just over a week ago, uh, from the 6th of July, coronavirus, fear over rising animal to human diseases. And they said that it was being driven by um, a lack of preservation of the environment. Mm. So in other words, they're making that link between the diseases that we are now uh, contracting from animals and the degradation of the environment and the loss of habitat and many other uh, elements to that story. We, we shared that last week, so I'm not going to go over it again. But, you know, it's true that it seems to be that that's going to be the hot button issue. What does this have to do with you and me and the end time? And how does this all fit in with what the book of Revelation says, and all of that? And that's what we are are building towards. So Mm. today is kind of a second uh, brick, if you like, in this um, building of prophecy that we're going to build this picture up so that when we come to the book of Revelation, we can understand what is written there and how it applies to you and I and to everybody else listening to us this afternoon. So last week we looked at Daniel chapter 2. We'll unpack that a little bit Mm. after the break um, because we want to just uh, do a bit of a review of the major elements of that chapter because that was one of the most significant foundational prophecies if you like and then we can launch into another chapter uh, where we're going to look at uh, Daniel 7 so thank you for that Pete so we'll be doing that after we come back we're going to listen to some music and then the news and then we'll be back so don't go away anywhere for we are going to unpack these incredible prophecies in the meantime sit back and enjoy Wes King staring down the dog
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM and Looking Up, and this is Danny Malenkov with my co-host Peter Watts, and uh, we are into our second hour in our program. Before we went to the break, we were just doing an overview, a rundown on where we have been thus far and what's been happening this past week, and now we want to move into what we'll be discussing today very important um, information but before we do that i just want to give you the contact details once again if you'd like to phone in or text us with a question we are we are keen to receive as many questions as you're willing to throw at us and seek to answer them from god's word firstly uh, if you want to call in 1-800-324-843 that's 1-800-324-843 if you want to text in your question 0491 064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Peter. Yeah. Uh, last week, uh, you we, we looked at that incredible prophecy in Daniel 2 that had a huge impact on mm. your life. And uh, for those who missed it, I'd encourage you to go to our podcast, to our Faith FM website podcast. And... Uh, what was it, faithfm.org.au? So, yep, faith, uh, no, faithfm.com.au. Oh, faithfm.com.au. So we might want to get that right. Faithfm.com.au, go to podcasts and look for Looking Up. And that was the one from last week. So do you want to just give us a brief overview of what we looked at last week, that incredible prophecy in Daniel 2? Because we're going to right. springboard today to Daniel chapter 7. So, so let's, all right, let's, let's talk about what we mean. What do we mean by Daniel 2? So Daniel is an Old Testament prophet. It's in the Old Testament of the Bible. He lived about 2,500 years ago, 2,600 years ago. And um, in the book of Daniel, in chapter 2, there is an ancient prophecy um, that deals with um, kingdoms and empires from the time of Daniel, 2,600 years ago, all the way through history to the time in which we live and all the way beyond that to the second coming. So um, it is a fascinating... Um, Bible prophecy. We went through it last week. Check out the podcast if you haven't heard it before. Um, we, we recommend you do that. But basically, the king of Babylon at that time, 2,600 years ago, he had a dream. He dreamt of this great image, this great statue that had a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. And then there was this supernatural stone, this stone cut out without human hands that came and struck that image on its feet. All those kingdoms disappeared and that king, that, that stone became a great kingdom and that, that is God's kingdom. And so that represented the various kingdoms of the world from the time of Babylon through to our current time and then when Jesus returns, that will be God's setting up of his kingdom. So in brief, the head of gold represented the kingdom of Babylon. The um, the chest and arms of silver represented the kingdom of Medo-Persia. The uh, belly and thighs of bronze represented the kingdom of Greece. 
the legs of iron represented the empire of Rome, and then the feet of iron and clay, uh, they represented the division of the kingdom after the fall of the Roman Empire, the divided kingdoms, which we have all the way up to the current day. Uh, And then eventually, of course, Christ's kingdom will come, and that represents that supernatural stone. So it's a very um, simple but very profound prophecy that deals with the history of the world from the time of Daniel 2,600 years ago all the way to our day and beyond up until the end of the world when Jesus will come. And it's interesting, as you pointed out earlier, the final words of Daniel to King Nebuchadnezzar were, the dream is certain, the interpretation is sure. And we have been able to track that. Now we want to go to Daniel chapter 7. And what we're going to discover in Daniel chapter 7 is that God repeats uh, this prophecy in Daniel chapter 2. By and large, he gives some extra details, but also God adds some very significant, important details um, that, that we want to especially zero in and focus on this afternoon. Oh, so- well, I was going to say, Danny, one of the programs that we did that I haven't mentioned here is we did an overview of Daniel and Revelation. We did too, yes. We you remember did too. that? Yeah, I almost did. forgot that one. We did an overview and we looked at some of the principles of interpretation, one of which is in prophecy, obviously, there's a lot of symbolism when we're dealing with end time prophecy in the books of Daniel and Revelation. A lot of end time symbols, end time prophecy, but we also saw that there is a, a, a um, principle of repeat and enlarge. Mm. So you have a prophecy that covers a particular period of time, but then you have another prophecy which will cover the similar period of time, but give different details. It will enlarge upon Mm. it. And that's what we're seeing here in Daniel 7. That's right. So in Daniel chapter 2, we were looking at metals that represented kingdoms. And here, as you'll discover, as we begin reading the scriptures, you're going to discover that those metals are now animals. Animals represent kingdoms, just like we have animals that represent kingdoms today. So if you have a pen and paper, or maybe you have your Bible handy, I'd encourage you to open to the book of Daniel, chapter 7, and we're going to start reading from verse 1 and onwards. So, Peter, if you'd like to begin reading from Daniel chapter 7, and if you want to read from verses 1 to 3. All right, here we go. Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. Okay, now, obviously, there's there's a lot of symbolism uh, that we can find here. The sea uh, represents people, multitudes, nations, according to Revelation. Uh, chapter 17 and verse 15, and uh, the seas being stirred up is, 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 is a reference in the Bible that describes war and conflict and that strife. is taking place and strife. Exactly right. And beasts, as we'll discover, according to Scripture, are kingdoms. And we, and we have that in the book of Daniel in verse 17 where it says those great beasts that we've just read about, those great beasts which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. So four kingdoms. So now we're going to take a look at these four kingdoms. What well, let me, yeah, I was going to say, look, this is a... Uh, so what we have here is the symbolism. Um, and 
the idea of using beasts or animals to represent different nations is not uncommon. We still do that That's right. today. And, uh, you know, if I was to say to people that this weekend there's a game on between the Wallabies and the Springboks, most people would understand that the Wallabies are Australia. Um, that's a symbol that's used to represent uh, Australia in, in, in that sport. And then the Springboks, that's like a, a, a little gazelle or a deer-type creature um, that you'll find on the uh, emblem of the South African rugby team. So um, we're used to using terms such as animals uh, to represent various nations. We talk about the Kiwis, right, uh, which are the New Zealanders, right? We, we represent them by that animal, and nobody has to guess, you know, what that animal represents. So what I'm saying is what God is doing here in Daniel chapter 7, in using these different beasts to represent different kingdoms, is something that we still do today. Absolutely, and... Um We'll, we'll, we'll get into that first power, that, that first beast. And if you want to read verse 4 and 5. Well, maybe let's just read 4 first. It says, the first was like... So we've, we've got four oh, sorry, beasts. Sorry, verse 4. Verse yeah, four. we've got four beasts. And in verse 4, it says, the first was like a lion. And it had eagle's wings. We need to pause right there. There aren't too many lions running around with eagle's wings, right? So this is clearly a vision that Daniel's having. This is clearly a symbol. Mm. This is not a real lion with real eagle's wings. This is a symbol for something, and we know that it represents a kingdom. Okay, we've, we've already dealt with that. The first was like a lion. It had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And, to, and a man's heart was given to it. All right, so we have this beast, and it's uh, like a lion, but it has two wings of an eagle. In the Bible, wings also are a symbol. They're a symbol of swiftness. That's right. And we could understand that. You know, if I was to say to you, Danny, once this show is done, I've got another appointment, I cannot stick around, I've got to fly. Mm. You wouldn't necessarily <laughs> expect me to leave the ground, but what I would be saying is I've got to go quickly. Mm. And so that's really the kind of uh, language that we use around that. And that, that's what's meant here is this kingdom, uh, whilst it's like a lion, it had eagle's wings indicating that it moved swiftly in conquering. Powerful and swift. Powerful and, and swift. That, and that perfectly describes the Babylonian kingdom, which is the kingdom the that is represented here. And you and I have been to the Pergamum Museum yeah. there in Berlin, Germany. Mm. And there we have the processional way. Uh, yes, the tiles. Yeah, the tiles of the processional way yeah, that have been recovered from ancient Babylon. And, and you've got lions with eagles' wings. Uh, which Walking was down yeah, the, just just big, the aisle. that was that was one of the main, if not the main, animal symbol that represented Babylon. So yeah, we have you, that today. If you go to the ruins of the kingdom of Babylon now, uh, obviously it's in ruins, but there is a statue of a lion outside the, right? the kingdom of Babylon. There, yeah, in basalt, black basalt. In addition to this, uh, this is not a um, when we say this lion represents Babylon, we are not applying here some new. Um, interpretation to this beast power. In fact, I was looking at a document that was uh, from an, an Anglican um, church where they identified the lion as Babylon. Um, I have, uh, if, if people can look this up on on, uh, on the internet, but uh, in 1997, the Rolling Stones, uh, they put out an album called Bridges to Babylon. And on the front cover of that album, 
the uh, the illustration there is of a lion standing on two feet like a man. Wow! It's there's no wings there; they've been plucked off, but it's got a Babylonian beard, huh. and so uh, that's called bridges to Babylon. In other words, the Rolling Stones know mm. this is Babylon, right? So this is not an uncommon interpretation of this symbol. That's right. So once again, we're following the pattern of Daniel chapter two. Yes. Beginning With the vision Babylon. begins in the time of the prophet. Well, yeah, and, fact, and moves forward. I just want to say in the first uh, verse there of chapter seven, it says in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, and that would have actually been five fifty four BC. That's right. Okay, so uh, that's the time period we're talking about. He's the last king in, in actual fact of Babylon. Uh, but we're starting here with the line represents Babylon. That's right. And then we have another beast that rises up out of the sea. In verse 5, Daniel says, And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. So we've got this second kingdom that comes onto the scene and based on the prophecy of Daniel 2 we know that the next kingdom was the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians that coalition and those uh, three ribs uh, many historians believe uh, the three kingdoms that the Medes and the Persians overthrew in order to be the next kingdom the next empire exactly the kingdoms of Lydia Egypt and Libya Mm-hmm. And uh, so they are the three ribs in the mouth of this bear, raised up on one side once again, uh, suggesting that the the Medes uh, would be would be more powerful uh, than the Persians. Yep. And so that's uh, that's an interesting point. Now let's continue on yep. before we run out of time. So we want to go to the third king. Do you want to read verse six? Sure. So verse six says, "After this, so we've had the first, the second. So there's a sequential order here." Right, the first, the second, and then after this I looked and there was another like a leopard which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. Now this beast, it says, was like a leopard and a leopard is a fast-moving animal, right? It's, It's a grand animal but it's a fast moving beast and it also has... Four wings on its back, and if twice as many as the well, yeah. as the lion, the lion had two wings. So if this has four wings, if if Babylon moved swiftly, this power moved very swiftly, and it also uh, then talks about it's got four heads. Well, you've never seen a four headed <laughs> leopard before, but this power represents that kingdom that would come after the Medes and the Persians, and we know through history that it was Alexander the Great and the Greeks who overthrew the, campaign, the, uh, the empire of the Persians and uh, he began to rule and reign. He conquered uh, a huge amount of territory in, about in a very years. short ten time. Years. In about yeah. 10 years, he, he was re- described as a military genius and he laid the foundation for the Greek empire. And it says the beast had four heads because after Alexander died, Four generals basically uh, ruled over the various divisions of that kingdom. In case you're wondering, those four generals are Cassander, Lysimachus, Ptolemy and Seleucus. They divided the kingdom up amongst themselves. Wow, that is fascinating. We're going to go to the fourth beast after this short break. But sit back and enjoy Will Morrison, the Lion and the Lamb. Coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow. 
Welcome back to Faith FM and Looking Up. We are in Daniel chapter 7. We're unpacking this incredible prophecy that builds on the prophecy of Daniel chapter 2. And we are in verse 7. And I'm reading from verse 7. After this, I saw in the night, writes Daniel, 
I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Wow! You haven't seen this one in a zoo lately, have you? <laughs> in fact, you know, when Daniel's describing this one, he can't even think of an animal to describe it. No, it's, 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 a, lion, it's a nondescript the bear, the beast. It's a nondescript beast, and yeah. uh, it's just so dreadful that he's, he's kind of saying, what is this? There's and a couple so, of clues, but there's a couple of clues, um, Peter, yep. in the text that link this beast to, to the image in Daniel chapter 2, notably... Oh, yeah. That it has iron teeth. Yes. Iron teeth. And that reminds us of the iron legs yep. in the image in Daniel 2, that statue in Daniel yep. 2 that Daniel saw. Yeah, no, that's right. And so, you know, uh, this one obviously it represents that next empire to come on the scene of history, which is after the Greek Empire. You have next the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire from about 168 BC through to 476 AD reigned reigned and ruled for about 600 years, longer than mm. any of the others. Um, and so, uh, yes, the fact that the legs of iron in the image represented Rome. Here you have the terrible beast that has iron teeth. It also represents the Roman Empire at that time. Now, it mentions here at the very end of the passage, and it had ten horns. Mm. Would that equate to the ten toes that continue on from the legs of iron. Well, I think it would. If, you, if we flip over here to... Um, is it... Uh, I'm just trying to find it. Here we go. It's verse 24. Daniel seven twenty-four. I'm mm -hmm. going to skip ahead, Danny. Okay, go for it. Just for a little bit of an interpretive uh, clue. And we want to mention this. We mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that... The answers to the symbols that we find in prophetic symbolism in, in the prophecies of the Bible, they are found in the Bible itself. The answers to those symbols are found in the Bible. So we're wondering, what are those ten horns on the head of the beast uh, there? In verse 24 of Daniel 7, it says, The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. And when you ask that question, could these ten horns be equated with the ten toes of the image of Daniel 2, well, the answer is, yeah, I think that's a legitimate link because uh, after the legs of iron, which is the Roman Empire in Daniel 2, you have the division of the kingdoms and it says the feet and the toes. And we, we imagine that it would have had 10 toes. And then here you have a fourth beast, which represents the Roman Empire, but it had 10 horns. And this verse in uh, Daniel 7.24 tells us those ten horns are ten kingdoms or kings that arise from that kingdom. That's fascinating. So, so just a, a quick review in case you've joined us um, after the break and you weren't here to begin with. We've looked at four animals here in Daniel chapter 7 that represent four kingdoms. The, firstly, we've looked at the lion representing Babylon, then the bear representing the twin kingdoms the or the coalition kingdom of the Medes and the Persians and the Medo-Persian Empire, followed by the leopard-like beast representing Greece, and now this nondescript beast representing the kingdom of Rome. And then we have a fascinating, inc uh, we have a fascinating new detail, but before we get there, I can see there's a pause. <laughs> you want to say something, Pete? Well, uh, yeah, the... What we have just talked about in terms of the interpretation of these four major kingdoms of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, 
This is not a new, it may be new to our listeners, it was certainly new to me when I first had it described to me, but this is not a new interpretation of this passage of scripture because it's actually a prophecy that's now written in stone. It's hit the historical for us because we're looking back on it, but if we go to Nuremberg, Germany, mm. there's an old courthouse there, and over the uh, big uh, doorways of two of the entrances to that old courthouse in Nuremberg, Germany, you have a figure of a Babylonian, uh, a figure dressed as a Babylonian, then a figure dressed as a Persian, and then over the other doorway you've got a figure dressed as somebody from... Uh, like Alexander the Great, and a Roman soldier there. So in other words, somebody has depicted Daniel chapter 7 in stone in uh, on that courthouse. And it's fascinating to go and see, and I've got the pictures right here in front of me, but this is radio, so I have to describe them. <laughs> and that so, courthouse was built some time ago. We're oh, talking yeah, yeah. like a few hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not, it's an this, old is building. not this week. No. But, um, yeah, this, this uh, interpretation of these four uh, kingdoms is um, hundreds of years old. That's right. And the reformers. Correct. Uh, David Martin Luther. Absolutely. They they came to these John same Calvin, conclusions. John Knox. Yep. Yeah, so, all, ab- be- all believe this. Absolutely. So now we go to our new detail. Yep. As, as we pointed out earlier, um, Bible prophecy builds from one to the next. So we've got this repeat and enlarge principle. So we've done, we've repeated from Daniel chapter two, but now we're enlarging. Now we're including God, I should say, is including details that we don't find in Daniel chapter two. And in verse eight, there's a lot in verse eight that we're going to unpack. But let me just read it, and then we're going to unpack it yep. a little, a little at a time because there's a number of symbols in here that we need to, we need to um, clearly identify. This is this is how it reads. Verse eight. I was considering the horns, writes Daniel, and there was another horn, a little one coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. Now, wow, if someone is to read that, and I've never read this before, it's, it's, I mean, it's one thing it's to have... freaky. Yeah, it's one thing to have a, a lion with wings and a leopard with wings, but it's another thing to have this little horn that speaks, that has eyes. Sounds like science it, fiction. It does. It certainly does. So... This is a new. This is a new system. This is a new power this that's is coming. A new element that's coming onto the scene of history. Well, let's do a little bit again. We're going to hop forward in the chapter, um, and we're just going to see interpretively mm. what does this mean. So we're yes, going to go indeed. back to Daniel seven twenty four, which we've already read. There, the ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones. And shall subdue three kings. So it says of this little horn. So if the ten horns are ten kingdoms, this little horn is a little kingdom. And what I want to say here, Danny, because there's quite a lot of information now that we're going to be reading that talks about this little horn. It describes this Mm. little horn. In fact, there are ten identifying characteristics that the Bible gives us in this chapter alone to identify that little horn power. And so one of the things that we've just read there in Daniel 7.24 is this little horn represents a little kingdom. And so we want to take a look at 
some of these identification marks that are given. And so it's basically like a jigsaw puzzle, Peter. Would yeah. you say it's like a jigsaw puzzle? Putting, putting, putting these 10 pieces together. It's you better than a video game. Uh, it's well and truly. And as we put it together, it, it becomes absolutely crystal clear what kingdom the Bible is describing. So yeah. firstly, um, Peter, the Bible says that Daniel was considering the horns. So this power is obviously coming onto the scene of history once those 10 kingdoms have been established and we know from history that when the roman empire came apart between 351 and about 476 ad we have these northern tribes from well germanic tribes these germanic tribes from up. the north coming over and they and they literally swamp and pull apart the roman empire into i guess a number of divisions but eventually 10 Divisions settled. Ten major divisions. So we're looking at this power to come onto the scene of history after 476 AD. Now the Bible says, and Peter alluded to this, it's a little kingdom because it specifically mentions it's a little horn. Yeah. But it's got a lot of power. Because Apparently so. Because it, it, it is able to uproot three kingdoms yeah. that were already there that were part of the ten. So that's in the text. We also discover that this power... This power is a power that has eyes like the eyes of a man. Yeah, yeah, right. Now, when I took a look at that, eyes like the eyes of a man, it's fascinating to me that in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, if you want to read that, Peter, it's fascinating here the language that's used. Do you want to read verse, verse 13? Yeah, Daniel okay. seven thirteen. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming in with the clouds of heaven, uh, he came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. Okay, so there's a clue here. So here we have Christ and he is referred to as the Son of Man. Mm -hmm. And we have a power here who has the eyes like the eyes of a man. Okay. So it's, it's alluding to a counterfeit. Okay, so he's a pretender. A pretender. And, okay. this, and this becomes very significant very as we go along when we compare... Jesus Christ and this power. Well, maybe I'll cut in here too, because um, often this power that we are discussing here, this little horn, this little kingdom, uh, has been described as the Antichrist. Yes. Uh, through history, like by Bible scholars over the last 500 years. So, you know, this is nothing new. It may be new to our listeners, as it was to me. But it's not new as far as uh, the study of the Bible goes. So people have identified this power because we're going to find some of the activities of this little power. It speaks, you know, great things against God. It persecutes the saints of God and so forth. And so um, some have recognized this as being the Antichrist power. And so uh, that's fascinating to think about. And we're going to see how that plays in. Indeed, we will. And another point um Daniel says he was considering the horns and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them. So we know that those 10 kingdoms are in Western Europe. Yep. Because when Rome divided, it divided there it where it was. Yeah, when yeah. it crumbled in Western Europe. Well, so if you this, think about so the Roman little, Empire. Yeah, this power just, is arising in Western Europe. Well, yeah. Where is the capital of the Roman Empire? Well, Rome. it's Rome. And where is Rome? Well, it's in Italy there. And that's in the heart of Europe. So... Uh, you know, it says that it's amongst those 10 kingdoms that arise. So uh, we would expect that. And another really interesting point regarding the eyes of a man 
And I only discovered this a little while ago as I was once again doing some cross-referencing with Scripture. And when Scripture speaks of it, uh, you have there in, and I'll just give the references. We won't take the time to look them up. But in Proverbs 6, verses 16 and 17, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 11, and Isaiah chapter 5, verse 15, as well as Psalm 101, verse 5, we have the eyes like the eyes of a man is often a symbol of intelligence and, and a symbol of pride. Okay. So wow. we have this power that's an intelligent power and a symbol of pride. Yeah. And it's interesting in, um, yeah, in Proverbs 6, it says the Lord hates Haughty eyes. Mm, isn't that interesting? Fascinating. Yeah. Let me say, that, say this. I just want to um, backtrack on a comment I made earlier. Like I said, from uh, over the last 500 years, this um, power that arises out of the fourth beast, Rome, so it arises out of that fourth beast, as do the other horns, and we've said that that represents the, the Roman Empire. Um, we've, we mentioned that this has been seen as the Antichrist power. Now, I want to explain that term Antichrist because... Mm. Some people think, oh, you know, that is, that is a, uh, a really wicked, uh, must be a really wicked power or a w wicked term to use. Um, we need to understand the Antichrist uh, can mean against Christ, but it can also mean in the place of Christ. And as That's we mentioned right. before, something that is a counterfeit, something that is um, uh, trying to uh, usurp the role of Christ that's what we mean when we talk about an antichrist, something that a power that is trying to position itself where only Christ should be. And so um, that's interesting to, to note when we were talking about the son of man and the eyes like the eyes of a man. And it's interesting as we take a look at um, Revelation in particular, we discover that the devil's uh, chief weapon at the end of time will be deception. Mm -hmm. uh, he's described as a deceiver and he seeks to deceive the whole world. So that's something we need to keep in mind as we, as we continue to look. Now, there's a few more, uh, few, more more, few more identification marks we need to take a look at. We're coming up to a break very shortly. But I want to take a look at this last portion here where it says it speaks pompous words. It has a mouth speaking pompous words. And uh, it mentions that a number of times not only here in Daniel, but in the book of Revelation. And that is in reference to blasphemy. And we're going to come back and we're going to unpack what the Bible has to say about blasphemy okay. after this break. So Sounds we're looking good. at a blasphemous power. And so sit back and enjoy uh, the Wedgwood band. And their song is entitled, Only Trust Him, I Saw the Light.
Welcome back to Looking Up, and you're with Danny Malenkov and Peter Watson. We are unpacking this incredible prophecy in Daniel chapter 7, which continues on from the prophecy in Daniel chapter 2. And we've been unpacking this Antichrist power as it's, defi- as it's defined here in Daniel chapter 7. We're in verse 8, and we're at the end of verse 8, and we're picking up on this power that has a mouth that speaks pompous words now um that word pompous peter do you want to tell us what that word literally means well yeah i think uh it's 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 proud words it's words against god it's blasphemous words and so when it talks about uh pompous words in this particular um translation it's really talking about words against god it's 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 sort of proud and boastful words um blasphemous words and indeed the the the, that term uh, pompous appears uh, again. It appears in verse 11. We won't take the time to read that. And also it appears again in verse 25. Yep. So three times in this chapter, and that's significant. Yes. In Bible prophecy, if there is a detail mentioned once, it's important. If it's mentioned twice, it's very important. If it's mentioned three times, in particular in one chapter, it's extremely it's like important. It's a foghorn. Absolutely. And, um, and it's interesting that blasphemy is referred to in Revelation chapter 13, which is, which is the parallel chapter to mm. Daniel 7 in the book of Revelation. We're not going to go there today. No. We're going to go there on an, uh, probably possibly... Um, yeah, in the coming weeks, we'll be heading yeah. there. And there it appears four times in Revelation chapter 13. And there it's spoken of as blasphemous. Now, we need to unpack what the Bible says blasphemy means. We do. But before that. As, well, <laughs> before that, I was just going to say, you mentioned that it's there in Revelation 13. I just wanted to pause and say, because people might be thinking, well, what on earth does this have to do 
with the end time or when, you know, the time in which we're living in. Um, if we believe that Jesus is coming soon, what does this have to do with us? We're going to discover that this uh, helps us to understand some of the major powerful influences in our world today. Um, and this is going to, um, I think, be quite surprising for some people. But I think when they understand the identity of it from a biblical perspective, they'll begin to say, this makes sense. Yeah, so I think it's really important to understand because you may be thinking, how did you go from COVID and the environment <laughs> and the economy the and health to the Antichrist to to these beasts in Daniel chapter 7 and, and you're speaking of Revelation? And we'll discover that all these powers have a significant impact at the very end of time in the final worship war showdown. And we've talked about that in the Mm. past. So this is all extremely important. And before we jump to any conclusions, we need to find out what the Bible says and what the Bible text says. So we're building... We're, we're building a picture here that will help us understand the final prophetic movements because and we how are, we can be prepared. Yeah, because if we are, are to understand the major chapters in Revelation that deal with what will happen at the end time, if we're going to understand that chapter, then we have to understand this first because this helps us to understand that. That's right. It's like a, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Yep. You, you need the you pieces. Get the corners. You've got to get the corners first. Exactly. Then the straight edges. Absolutely. And then you fill in the middle. And that's what we are doing. So these pompous words. Now, the Bible defines blasphemy. You and I, we don't need a guess. We don't need to you know, pass the hat around and ask for people's ideas and opinions. The Bible explains itself what pompous or what blasphemy is according to the Bible. Now, do you want to read for us, uh, Peter? Uh, there's, uh, Jesus was accused of blaspheming. Mm-hmm. And do you want to just uh, pick up on that? in John chapter 10 and read those scriptures for us, From verse 30? Yeah, sure. All right. So Jesus is speaking. He says, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Okay, so here is the key. For an individual to claim the prerogatives that belong to God and God alone, which is to say, I am God, that is blasphemy. Now, of course, this wasn't blasphemy with Jesus. It wasn't. Because he actually is God in the flesh. That's right. So Jesus could say, I and my Father are one. It was a genuine statement. But yes, you're right. Any normal man to claim that, they are equal with God or that they are God would be uh, a blasphemous. Anyone outside of God. Hmm. I mean, it doesn't need to be a human being. Uh, we have, we yeah. have the very first blasphemer in the, in, in the Bible, according to Scripture, was Lucifer, hmm. who was God's leading angel who wanted to be like the Most High, yeah. the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 14. Yeah. And so anyone who seeks the position of God is committing blasphemy. Now, it's fascinating that um, the Apostle Paul picked up on what this power would seek, and he shares on that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and he speaks of the Antichrist. He speaks of this power as this 
man of sin, the son of perdition. Um, do you want to read those verses for us, Peter, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4? And you may want to make a note of these. Um, powerful passage, and then we're just going to unpack a couple of things from this passage that gives us another clue as to what we're dealing with when it comes to the Antichrist. Sure. Okay, so Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica, which is in northern Greece. He says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, all that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Wow. So there is a lot here that the Apostle Paul shares regarding this Antichrist power. But the first thing, the first thing we want to note is that he says that before Jesus comes, there will be a falling away. And that's uh, uh, the, the Greek word there is apostasia. Okay. Uh, so there'll be an apostasy. There'll be a falling away from truth. And he's speaking of the church. Yep. He's addressing the church here. And, and he speaks of this power as being the man of sin. And we know that according to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, sin is lawlessness. Yes. The definition for sin is breaking God's law or opposing God's law. So that comes out in one of the identification marks in verse 25 of Daniel 7, which we're going to get to. So just keep that in the back of your mind, and we're going mm. to get to that. But here is an interesting clue. It refers to this power as the son of perdition. There's yes. only one other place, Peter, um, where that phrase, son of perdition, appears in the New Testament. And I know that you know who that is in reference to. Do you want to tell our listeners? Well, the why son- don't you tell us? Oh, <laughs> the son of perdition is used by Jesus to refer to Judas. Oh, that's true. Judas that is, true. is the son of perdition. Yes. And, um, and so that's what the Apostle Paul here is saying is that this power is going to be a power that works from within. Judas was might from, look like one of the closest followers of Jesus. That's right. And and Judas was probably the most one of the most respected, certainly one of the most trusted. Carried because he the was, money bag. He carried the money bag. You don't give the money bag just to anyone. Um, and so the Apostle Paul is saying, look out for this Antichrist power to come from within the Christian church, from within Christianity, where most people wouldn't be looking. And then he goes on and he says that this power would seek to oppose itself and exalt itself above everything that is associated with God and that is in particular associated with worship. And so this power will have a worship element, will seek worship. And according to Scripture, worship belongs to God alone. That's very, very clear. And we've we've looked at that in the past, uh, where God alone is worthy to be worshipped because he's the creator. And as such, he deserves to be worshipped and nobody else. And And it's interesting that he sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And the temple of God is not some physical temple, but the language here is referring to the body of believers. Yep. Because the Apostle Paul says, uh, do you not know that your body, you the body is the Christ. temple of the Holy yeah. Spirit? So, so in the church will arise a power, a Christian power that would seek to take on board the prerogatives that belong to God alone, that will seek to blaspheme God, and one of those is claiming to be God. There is another There is another, another I, definition. Connect, yeah, yes, we should indeed. connect with that one. So there is another uh, identifying characteristic of what blasphemy is that we see in the ministry of Jesus, 
um, and, you know, where they are accusing him yeah. of this. Do you want to read that for us? Yeah, we're in Luke 5, verse 20. And it says, when he, Jesus, saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven. He's just healing somebody. Or he's about to heal somebody. And it says, and the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Wow. So another definition for blasphemy is claiming the, claiming the authority and the prerogatives that belong to God alone to forgive sins. God alone is able to forgive sins. So any human being, any human institution that claims that it has the power and the authority to forgive sins commits blasphemy. Now let's keep going here. Um, we've got a few more identification marks before we, before we look at who this power is and it become pretty obvious once we get to number 10, this power will be greater and will be different from all the other powers. And we have that in Daniel chapter 7, verse 20, mm -hmm. um, where it says at the end of verse 20, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. And you read the passage there in verse 24 earlier yeah. on, yeah. where this kingdom that will arise after them, speaking of those four first kingdoms, it shall be different from the first ones and it shall subdue three kings. So this will be both a political as well as a religious power. Yeah. So it'll That's be different. It'll have both. the difference. That's exactly right. Now, point number eight, we want to take a look at identification number eight. And now we move into verse 25. Uh, do you want to read the entirety of verse 25, Peter? Sure. And then we're going there's to unpack a lot it. Of, you know, there's quite a lot of descriptors. You, you, you would wonder why. Why is God giving us so much information about this little horn power? I think um, it's, it's going to be because of the influence this little horn has over a long period of time. And it, it's very clear that God wants us to understand and identify this power. So let me read verse 25. There's more details here. He, talking of this little horn, he shall speak pompous words. There are those blasphemous mm. words yes. again. Against the Most High. The Most High there would be God. Shall persecute the saints of the Most High. The, he's going to persecute mm -hmm. the, the followers Persecuting of power. God. Yep. And shall intend... To change times and law, mm -hmm. so it's going to. It has this intent on changing the times and laws of God. Then the saints shall be given into His hand for a time, times and a half a time. There's a time period given there. Okay, so let's unpack um, what we've just read. Firstly, as you have pointed out, it will be a persecuting power. So it would have authority. I mean, you know, a church or or any religious institution can't just persecute yeah. in and of itself because it doesn't have the authority to do that. So it appears that the state will give this power authority for it to persecute because the state yeah. or the government alone has the ability to persecute. To, to enforce. People. Exactly, to enforce, mm. um, as you rightly say. So that's, that's an important point. Now, also, we need to make a note that it will seek to tamper with God's holy law with God's Ten Commandments. Yes, yeah. And I shared earlier from Thessalonians where Paul says it's called the man of sin. Or the man of lawlessness. Or the man of lawlessness, exactly right. So sin is lawlessness. Yeah. The, the, and so, so that's an important point. Yeah. And as well, um, it would rule and reign for a time, times and a half a time. And in the period that we have remaining, Peter, I think it's important to unpack this because this might mm -hmm. be strange terminology. Yep. Um, but yet this... this um, 
this time period, a time times and a half a times, it sure. appears three different times. Yes. Uh, in three different ways, it's shared seven times altogether in Daniel and Revelation. Do you want to just Maybe, comment well, on that? Well, I was wondering, Danny, should we venture into identifying this little horn even before we get into the time period? Because I think the time period will help us to see another level of um, identification. So um, I don't know, where, you know which, which direction you wanted to go with this, um, but we've said before that this prophecy is not new. The interpretation of this prophecy is not new. And we have had um, reformers over the last 700 years identifying this power. And maybe when we come back... When we, we come let, back from the break. We should let people know what the uh, Protestant reformers have identified this power as through the centuries. That's as they've looked at these identification at marks. Yeah. Not just in the book of Daniel, but also in Revelation. So, folk, hold on to your seats. Because after the music and after the news, we're going to come back and we're going to identify who this power is based on what the reformers have shared and based on our study of Scripture. So sit back and enjoy and, and listen to Voices of Praise, Instruments of Your Peace.
Good afternoon, evening and welcome back. My name is Danny Malenkov and I hope and pray that you enjoyed that piece of music. We have been in Daniel chapter 7 this afternoon following on from Daniel chapter 2 last week and we have in particular zeroed in on 
the passage of the Antichrist, dealing with the Antichrist there in Daniel 7. And uh, the majority of the chapter is focused on this Antichrist power. It seeks to identify who this power is. And we've discovered that this power is a, is a little power that arises in Europe. It has significant authority and power. It, it, it blasphemes God. It uh, seeks to change God's times and laws. It's a persecuting power and a number of other things that we discovered. Now, Peter, as we have looked at this power and you mentioned the reformers, they also looked at the same passage that we are looking at mm. today and they came to a conclusion, a very clear conclusion mm. of who the Bible is identifying here. So yeah. do you want to unpack that for us? Absolutely. And I, I, I want our listeners, I mean, what, we, um, what we're going to share here may be shocking to some people, but it's in the history books. This is not something that um, we are creating here in the studio this afternoon. This is in the history books hundreds of years ago uh, where sincere, committed Christian believers who are studying the Bible, studying this passage that we have been studying, and they came to particular conclusions. And there were many different reformers who had different uh, backgrounds and, and, you know, moved in different directions, but they were um, consistent on this point. Um, and that is that if we go back some 700 years to the time of a man by the name of John Wycliffe, and many people may have heard of John Wycliffe, Wycliffe uh, was the first to translate the Bible into English. Isn't he referred to as the Morning Star of the Reformation? He's sometimes referred to as the Morning Star of the Reformation. Lived mm. 700 years ago. And uh, John Wycliffe, we're grateful to him because he translated the Bible into English. And that's helpful for me. Um, but he, he identified this power, this Antichrist power. He identified it with the church which had a headquarters in Rome. And people may be shocked when they heard that, hear that. Um, I was shocked when I heard it. Uh, how could uh, this churchman, John Wycliffe, identify the papal power, essentially, as this Antichrist power? Now, of course, John Wycliffe was a Roman Catholic. He was not saying that Roman Catholic people are Antichrist. Uh, he was simply saying the system of... Uh, governance of church, uh, of uh, belief and practice of, of that Christian, uh, of that church at that time was not in harmony with the principles that we find in the Bible. And at, at that point, the church had become very corrupt. And John was identifying this. You come uh, a century later in the uh, 15th century in uh, what we would now call the Czech Republic. There was a man by the name of Jan Hus who um, was able to get a hold of some of John Wycliffe's writings, and he also identified the papal power as the Antichrist. You come a, a century later than that, you come to the time of Martin Luther, who really is the one where people believe that that's, that's where the Reformation really got its uh, spark and where it really uh, began in earnest. And uh, Martin Luther, again, he was a Roman Catholic. He was a doctor of the church. He taught in their universities. Um, and uh, he identified the papacy as the Antichrist of this chapter. And when you think about it, this little horn, where does it arise? It arises out of the fourth beast. Well, the fourth beast is Rome. That's right. right. We, we've identified that. That makes perfect sense. It's in harmony with uh, Daniel chapter 2. Other um, interpreters have identified it as such. So it arises out of the Roman Empire. Um, we've seen that it's a religious power. 
It speaks blasphemies. It's trying to change God's laws. It's persecuting God's people. So if you think about it, uh, if we're looking for a religious power that arises out of Rome and has major influence in the world, then it would not be surprising that they would identify it thus, especially when at that time there was a great deal of corruption and a great deal of uh, abuse within the church. And the church really dominated people's lives from the cradle to the grave and beyond. And so um, that's how uh, John Wycliffe identified. John Wycliffe said the Pope is Antichrist here on earth. Mm. Shocking words to our ears, but that's how he identified it. Um, in fact, when um, Wycliffe was around, the, there was more than one pope. So typically, when the pope dies, another pope is elected, um, and they usually have the job for life. Um, but uh, in uh, John Wycliffe's day, a pope had died, another one was elected, but then a rival pope was elected, and it was called the Schism of the Popes. Wasn't there three popes at one there stage? There was three later on. There was yeah. three popes, but at this time there were two. Hmm. And it says in a tract which he published on the Schism of the Popes, Wycliffe called upon the people to consider whether these two priests who were not speaking the truth in condemning each other as the Antichrist. So here's the interesting (laughs) thing. You've got two popes, right, both vying for the office of pope and each one of them saying, he's the Antichrist. No, he's the Antichrist. So what I'm saying is one of the first people to identify the papacy as the Antichrist was the pope. Yeah, fascinating. So, folk, uh, once again, to reiterate, God here is not speaking against uh, the individuals who make up the Church of Rome. Not against the believers. Absolutely not. There's 1.3 billion Roman Catholics in the world, and and God knows the heart of each one, the sincerity, the love for God, the love for His Word. This is speaking of a system. This is speaking of a system that is a power that has taken on board the prerogatives that belong to God and God alone. And And using the state to enforce religious dogma. That's exactly right. And if you take a look at uh, the Vatican flag, if you take a look at the flag, you'll discover that there are two keys on the flag. There's a crown, a three-tiered crown, and then there's two keys on the uh, crown. One's a gold one. One's a silver one, and the the gold one represents the spiritual power of the church, and the silver key, Peter, represents mm. the political power of the church. There you go. So there you have it. So this kingdom would be different, and it's right there on its flag. Sure. And that's what yeah. the church says. So just so, to mention another couple of reformers, John Knox, uh, who was, you know, so Scotland, you know, Martin Luther, we think about the Lutheran church. John Knox, we think about the Presbyterian Church in Scotland. John Wesley, we think about the the you know the Methodist Church. John uh, Calvin. John Calvin, exactly the Reformed Church. So all of these major reformers all had that common belief that this little horn power described in Daniel chapter seven describes the Church of the mid- medieval period, yeah, and that it would rule for twelve hundred and sixty years. And indeed, well, we need to examine that. The Church did rule for twelve hundred and sixty years. Now we don't have time to examine it today. That's going to be something for next week, I think, okay. Peter. Well, we because can do we that. are out of time for today, but we're going to tap into that time prophecy regarding to uh, this power and what the Bible has to say. And so, sit back now as we listen to. Gaither vocal band Low Down the Chariot. I love this song. Sit back and enjoy. Low down the chariot, let me ride. Low down the chariot, let me ride. Low down the chariot, let me ride. Why don't you low down the chariot, let me ride? 
Low down the chariot, let me ride. Low down the chariot, let me ride. Low down the chariot, let me ride. Ride on, ride on, King Jesus. Ride on, ride on, King Jesus. Ride on, ride on, the conquering King. I wanna go to heaven in the morning. Ride on, ride on, King Jesus. I wanna go to heaven in the morning. I've been trying so hard just to make it on through. You know I'm trying to live the way you want me to. I wanna say goodbye to all the sin inside. I don't wanna miss that great glory ride. So when you break on through that golden sky, please slow it down. Don't pass me by. Swing that new chariot way down low. I wanna go like Elijah when I go. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that beautiful bit of music from the Gaither Band. You are listening to Danny Malenkov and Peter Watts on Faith FM, looking up, and we are wrapping up. Now, Peter, we have mentioned at the beginning there's a free offer. What's today's free offer? Okay, so today's free offer is a book called A Thousand Shall Fall. It's the story of Franz Hasel, uh, a German um, officer in a German soldier in the Second World War and his uh, extraordinary escapades and how God protected him through that war. And so uh, we mentioned it last week in our presentation. The book is A Thousand Shall Fall. If you would like the free giveaway, please call 1-800-324-843. That is 1-800-324-843. Or you can text on 0491-064-669, Thank you, Peter. And just to summarize uh, what we've been looking at thus far, this Antichrist power that would seek to take on board the prerogatives of Christ is described in these 10 different identification marks. We've looked at them. I'm just going to run through them real quick. Uh, this power that we and the reformers all the way from all the way from John Wycliffe some 700 years ago identified as the medieval church of Rome or the Roman papacy um, as it's also known. 
The Bible says that this power would come up amongst the ten kingdoms there in Western Europe, which is where the Church of Rome is established today. It comes up after the ten kingdoms are established and it would arise, it received its power in 538 AD. And uh, we're going we're gonna to tap into that next week when we look at Revelation 13. So make sure you tune in for that as we take a look more at that. It would be a small Western European kingdom and we've been there, 100 acres. It uproots three kingdoms and uh, we, we, we looked at that briefly. Eyes like the eyes of a man. It would have a man at the head. It would speak blasphemies. It would be different and greater than the other kingdoms there in Western Europe. It would tamper with God's holy law. It would seek to persecute the saints and it would rule for 1260 years. So that's what we have been looking at. And um, it's really fascinating as we take a look at the comparison, Peter, between this Antichrist power and Jesus Christ. There are so many similarities and maybe we can pick up on that next week. Well, the ministry of Christ. Yeah, and, as we um, mentioned, it's, 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 you know, sometimes the Antichrist is in the place of Christ, and that's what we want to look at next week. That's right. So I hope you've enjoyed uh, this week's program, and uh, we have been thoroughly blessed, and I pray that you will have a fantastic week, and we're looking forward to, looking forward to seeing you again next week on Looking Up. And remember, as we say each time, when you see all these things come to pass, look up because your redemption is drawing near. God bless and bye for now.
Oh 